Attention Patriots, this is the Chris Ann Hall Show. Who's going to stand up? Where are the lovers of liberty? I think that's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's unconstitutional. It's out of control. You think this is over? This isn't over. There's a liberty wave coming. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. I am Chris Ann Hall, and you can find me at chrisannhall.com, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com. Always, even to the chagrin of many, (laughs) I am always liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. And uh, I just... I want to tell you, at, during the break here, well, you know, last segment we were talking about the great big scandal, bigger than Watergate, the collusion, the bipartisan, uh, the bipartisan collusion and conspiracy. This is legal conspiracy, okay? When you are hiding a criminal activity, when you're not coming forward with knowledge of a criminal activity, that is a con- criminal conspiracy called aiding and abetting. It is a crime. Just let's be clear about this. So all of the senators, all of the House reps who had uh, personal knowledge of what's being released in this this new testimony, I guess old testimony, newly being released, let's be clear, from a criminal law perspective, they have committed a crime of aiding and abetting a criminal activity. So let's, you know... Stop and think about this one more time because we've got to understand the magnitude of how out of control this system is where we have two standards of law. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to, to keep at this, but it's either the rule of law or it's not. We either live under equal law for all or we don't. We just sit down and we just admit we live in an aristocracy. And I don't want to admit that. I don't want to admit that. I don't want to accept that. And so I want to keep telling you, we need to open the eyes of our friends and our family members and tell them it's not about Trump. Lindsey Graham is like, oh, it's all about Trump. It's not about Trump. This is about the rule of law. This is about the Constitution. This is about, do we live in a constitutional republic or not? Do we live under equal application of the law or not? Don't play the, the, the tribalistic games with me. Don't label me. Don't label lynch me. If you're going to throw a label on me, give me constitutionalist. Because it's not about anybody's personality. It's not about... Chris Ann wants the illegal immigrants. Chris Ann is open borders. You guys know that's not true. But we either live under a rule of law or we don't. And that's what's important. We 
we either live with a constitution or we don't. There's no middle ground. Unlike Ted Cruz, I, can, I, I cannot see a way where we can sacrifice the principles and the constitution on the altar of pragmatism. It is a sacrifice nonetheless. It just doesn't work that way. Can we please all get on board? It is unity in liberty that will save America, not unity in political parties. And so I, I just, uh, just in, in equality, I want to share with you something that I tweeted earlier today because Alyssa Milano is now all excited about how uh, you know she says she tweets. I know Melissa, Alyssa Milano. Uh, don't tell anybody, but JC had a crush on her. <laughs> Shh, he's not here. He won't know. I told you. <laughs> I don't know what what teenage boy didn't have a crush on Alyssa Milano. They had no idea she was gonna go stark raving mad as she got older. Come on, seriously, what do kids know about that stuff? Anyway, she tweets out. 12 Republican senators voted against Trump's hashtag fake emergency. Thank you. And then she names them off, right? Well, my tweet was very simple. Keep your hypocrisy to yourself. Because you're not concerned about the Constitution. Keep your false love of the Constitution. This is, this is what I tweeted. Let me get it over here for you. Melissa, Alyssa Milano, keep your false love of the Constitution. We don't need your feigned loyalty. You freaked out when we opposed Obama for doing the same thing. Hypocrisy may be a common suit for you to wear, but it is still hideous. Liberty first. Use the Liberty First hashtag. <laughs> I saw it trending the other day on Twitter. I was like, yes, Liberty First trending. Hashtag Liberty First. So we... We are not just, this is not an anti-Trump thing in any way, shape, or form. This is a rule of law thing. Can I remind you just simply of what, what Ted Cruz admitted? He said, it is easy to imagine a future Democratic president using this statute to try to implement a radical far-left agenda over the will of Congress and the American people. Can I mention to you that's precisely why our founders never delegated this kind of power to the President of the United States in the first place? This is precisely why Congress, the Office of the Executive, and the Judiciary are specifically limited and defined in their power to keep the imaginable from happening. Richard Henry Lee said, we are not to only prevent what men will do, but also what they may do. It's that principle that I try to bring to the, to the um, uh, legislators when I teach them. If you're about to pass a law and you can imagine in your mind the worst person in the universe exercising this power and you wouldn't want the worst person in the universe exercising this kind of power then you cannot pass this law and there we have Ted Cruz saying it's imaginable and not only is it imaginable he says it is easy to imagine can you please 
you know, pass on to your friends and your family members, your people that will say, you're just a never Trumper. He's our president. I had somebody say to me, Chrisanne, can I ask you why you don't call Donald Trump Mr. President? It's like, I didn't call Barack Obama Mr. President either. I didn't call, um, George Washington, Mr. President. When I talk about him, come on. We don't live with title, emollient titles. We don't live in an aristocracy. We live in a constitutional republic where we govern the government. Just because I don't call him Mr. President doesn't mean I don't respect the office of the president. But in a constitutional republic, can we really just pass on this information? We are the hierarchy, not the president. He works for me. Actually, you know, constitutionally speaking, he, he works for my state, okay? Because the president of the United States does not work for the people. That's a whole nother story. We talk about this. But look, this is not about disrespecting any person. Quite to the contrary. It's about respecting the rule of law. And by admitting this power simply because of who is holding it at the moment, then we don't live in a constitutional republic and I, I just, I can't do that. So during the break, I, I, I sort of summed this up in, in a statement. I want to I, I uh, share it with you. Maybe you can share it with others. The president is exercising unconstitutional authority that was created by an unconstitutional act where Congress unconstitutionally expanded executive power. Congress then says to the president, wait a minute. You cannot exercise that expansion of power we gave to you. We are going to now limit the, crea- the expansion of power that we created for you. The president then vetoes Congress's limitation of his unconstitutionally created unconstitutional power, thereby expanding his own power beyond the expansion of the power created by Congress. That's it in a nutshell. Look, I'm, I'm not here to, to argue with you about whether this is unconstitutional or not. I'm going to tell you it's absolutely unconstitutional. There is no argument. And I don't care what talk show host tells you I'm wrong. Okay, I, they can't find anything in the Constitution that authorizes this uh, power by Congress. They can't. They cannot. They will quote Supreme Court. They will quote precedent. They will quote quote, uh, federal acts, but they cannot quote constitution. And without the authority of the constitution, the authority does not exist. And you know what? Who cares if it's broken? I understand the system is broken. I totally understand the system is broken, but because the system is broken, it does not give me an excuse to break it even further. It does not give me carte blanche to ignore the rule of law. Because the minute I accept the ignoring of the rule of law, then I, ex- I have to accept myself as a subject in a kingdom. And that will never happen as long as I'm living and breathing. How about we get a little local for a minute? Can we get a little local for a minute? I want to share this with you. So what we have 
is the Attorney General of Michigan. Her name is Dana Nessel. And Dana Nessel, the Attorney General in Michigan, is going to is is going to declare war on words basically Dana Nessel is declaring war on words she's going to declare war on bullies she's going to de- declare war on hate she's going to declare war on bias okay and in her partnership with Augustine Arbula, director of the Michigan Department of Civil Rights, she and Mr. Arbula say they are going to create a process to declare war on words. And when we come back, I'm going to share the details with you. Liberty's lobbyist Chris Ann Hall has now taken control. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, now with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. Shh, don't tell him the secret that I told you while he was gone. <laughs> don't tell him. So um, we're talking about, we, we've switched back to local. And because, you know, I've been teaching, J.C., do you realize I've been on the radio now for six and a half years? Mm-hmm. Six and a half years. We have over a thousand episodes uh, six and a half years. I have been teaching this principle of what I call trickle-down tyranny, right? right? So trickle-down tyranny, for those of you who maybe knew uh, Liberty First Brigade members, new listeners, maybe you haven't stepped off and called yourself Liberty First Brigade yet, but I, I have been teaching this principle of trickle-down tyranny. What we allow the federal government to get away with emboldens our state and local governments to become more tyrannical. And we're seeing that actually, I think. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's like crescendoing or something. The, the, the uh, unleashed nature of our local governments has, it, I don't know, it's just becoming more and more obvious, well, more and more about, blatant. It's about the people. So when the right. people get conditioned that this is okay, that's, that's why the stuff you're talking about to me, it, this is more dangerous where we're more, let's put it this way, more destructive where we are now because thing, unconstitutional things and, and things that whittle away our liberty are being accepted because, you know, our guy's in there, because mm-hmm. it's our side. And so we make, just like the national emergency thing, all these arguments are made to support this. Now, it was the opposite when Obama was in here, but but because there's a crisis, and be, of course there's always a crisis, but because there's a crisis, or they can point to a crisis, and because it's our guy, then we take the opposite side. Well, guess what? Then what are you going to do next time? So we're, we've sort of painted ourselves into a corner, we the people, paint ourselves into the corner, you know, of supporting this stuff, so then it becomes acceptable it becomes the norm well but then meanwhile we spend all of our time and our resources staring at washington dc while the greatest tyrannies are actually happening in our own backyard now i know you paid you you saw this article jc the um uh, uh the 
AG of Michigan, Dana Nessels, declaring war on words. And listen, this is, she and the Michigan Department of Civil Rights say they're going to create a process, not just simply a legal process. I, I think that's important for us to understand. They're going to create a legal process to document incidents of hate and bias that don't rise to the level of criminal or civil infractions. How do you even, I, I can't even process that in when, my when you, mind. When you say legal process, you mean govern, a government? Governmental, by law, they're going to create a legal, by law, governmental, a legalized, a legalized, right, not a lawful process, but a legalized process by which the government, I'm sure through some bureaucracy or some, some, uh, I don't know, division or something like that. We've got the Michigan Department of Civil Rights, so I'm sure it's going to be a subdivision of the Michigan Department of Civil Rights. Monitoring. Monitoring. Speech. No, 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 not monitoring. Documenting. Making a database. Making a database to document incidents of hate and bias. And this is the thing that really flips my wig. That doesn't rise to the level of criminal or civil infraction. What exactly does the government have to do with anything that doesn't rise to the level of a crime? Didn't we just mention this two shows ago? We talked about the law in in the former Soviet Union, Russia, yeah. that they just passed yeah. about speech that offends, that the is state. offensive to the state. Mm-hmm. And and we said, hey, it's coming here. And here, here you go. This is on the state level. Michiganistan. Here, here, here in... <laughs> Michiganistan, <laughs> Michiganistan. Uh, you have this if you say something offensive so you know I don't know who is it offensive to that's the interesting thing even in the article uh, that this guy the reporter wrote um, I forget what the paper was but uh, you know he's against it even in the article he's against it mm-hmm. and, and is warning all about it but the lead-in and of course this is a technique to it's a Detroit News uh, right. Mr. Finley and so the lead in, you try to, you sort of appeal to people and, hey, I'm not against, you know, I'm not for hate. So he says, prosecuting hate crimes is a worthy endeavor. And then at the <laughs> end, he closes with, you know, why are we doing this that doesn't rise to the definition of hate crimes? Well, it's curious to me, if you're going to write this article and you say it doesn't rise to the definition of hate crimes, how about give a definition? What in the world is a hate crime in the first place? How I mean, isn't murder and, you know, these violent assaults, isn't that hateful by nature? Absolutely. As arrogant men tear up our constitution And from every direction we cry around Can't learn the easy way, you'll learn the hard way. Chris Ann Hall, she's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Can I invite you, please, go to libertyfirstuniversity.com. It's the only way to stop trickle-down tyranny is to become educated. Remember, Samuel Adams said, no people will tamely surrender their liberties nor be easily subdued when knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved. But on the contrary, when the people become universally ignorant and debauched in their manners, The people will sink underneath their own weight without the aid of foreign invaders. And that's what's happening, you know? Can I say something before you? I know you want to, you know, dig into the meat of the thing. But 
this is an example once again and i'm talking about the article again this guy's obviously you know opposed to the surveillance states and attacking free speech and how dangerous it is but once again this is an example to me of how our argumentation sucks we end up arguing secondary you know causes mm-hmm. secondary effects he, he he goes ahead and gives the premise it's a worthy endeavor to fight hate you know to prosecute hate crimes really so we're there's so, really no such thing as a hate crime right, anyway right, and so, hate crimes don't exist remember so problem, hate crime you don't go to jail for hating hate crime is not actually a crime it's what we call in the in in the criminal justice system as a sentence enhancement if the prosecutor can prove that you had quote unquote hate in your motivation then your sentence is enhanced right so but it's not a crime by itself yeah so but that's the thing i'm saying so the sec the excuse me first amendment issues right that's obviously mm-hmm. an issue but then what about the root of the thing the, the problem in the first place is this notion of hate crimes but that here's a guy he's you know obviously liberty oriented you know you would read it and and i assume he's sort of trying to appease the reader or the opposition or whatever and just go ahead and give that oh hate crimes prosecuting hate crimes good really is it so that's not even a No, it's, it's thought police. But, you know, as if that wasn't bad enough, okay? So they're going to create some kind of yeah, legal it process. It gets worse. It gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse. They're going to create some kind of legal process to document incidences of, incidents of hate and bias that don't rise to the level of criminal and civil infractions, which is literally an unlimited power to government. To, to 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 search and seize we're talking about searching and seizing here you're you're co- you're confiscating stuff and she says the attorney general of michigan dana nessel says she'll start her surveillance get this surveillance mm-hmm. right this is violation of your right to privacy and property without a warrant now she'll start her surveillance with the 31 michigan organizations that appear on the southern poverty legal center list of hate groups but it's not actually legal i wonder did they change them name from the southern poverty law center to the southern poverty legal center maybe that's just a, a typo but the, she's gonna start with the southern poverty law center's list yeah, remember that does not include groups like Antifa. Right. Those those or guys. Or Black Lives Matter. Th- th- those guys are not on uh, on the list. But I am. Okay, but I am. So does that mean if when we go to Michigan and teach this year that she's going to uh, sh- that I'm going to be on her list yeah. now? Yeah, right, so she's going to be sur- well. Maybe she'll send somebody to the meeting then and, and yeah. be involved in her surveillance. Well, certainly the groups that host you. Right. You know, they'll be they'll be yeah. being oh, sh- monitored. Don't tell hey, look, if you're in Michigan and you're hosting me, be aware now your attorney general will be monitoring you. I hope that doesn't in- dissuade you from having us come teach the Constitution. Maybe that'll encourage some people like, yeah, I'm going to have Chris Ann, right? Yeah. Yeah, seriously, you poke your finger in her you eye. But I she, think so. But uh, Mr. Finley rightly points out in, in the article in, uh, what was it, Detroit News, mm-hmm. uh, the SPLC, you know, although they say they track hate and hate groups and, and whatever, they actually, what they do is target uh, conservative and liberty groups, any group that mm-hmm. is in opposition to a leftist progressive ideology. So they're really, it's a, it's a, they are themselves a political hate group or they right. uh, hate, they hate groups based on their uh, political stance. 
I posted on uh, social media the other day a, a, a picture that says Southern Poverty Law Center hate hustling fundraisers since 1971. Yep. What's interesting is um, the SPLC has just fired their founder. Yeah. I'm not quite sure how that works. You fire your founder. But what I thought was really interesting, uh, JC, this is a quote. Uh, As a civil rights organization... The Southern Poverty Law Center is committed to ensuring that the conduct of our staff reflects the mission of the organization and the values we hope to instill in the world. Now, that's a quote by their current president, Richard Cohen. He says, when one of our own fails to meet those standards, no matter his or her role in the organization, we take it seriously and must take appropriate actions. Not only did they fire the guy, but apparently his name is Dees. Apparently they scrubbed his biography from the entire group's website. Here's my question, JC, and I I don't think you can answer it. I don't know if anybody can answer it just yet. Was Dees... Not radical enough. You know, they. I'm just wondering because, uh, you yeah, know, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Why would they well, fire somebody the Somebody knows. Why would they fire the guy? I'm just wondering is this a trend in a better, uh, better direction? Because I don't think so. The Southern Poverty Law Center used to be like the ACLU, they actually used to be a civil rights legal group. Are you sure about that? No, I'm pretty sure when they first started. Okay, maybe not like the ACLU, but they actually took civil rights cases. They don't even do that anymore. So are they trying to go back to that direction? But if they're going back to the origins, why would they fire the originator? See, I'm just thinking, here's my my whole theory about the whole thing. I think that D's is not radical enough. And, and, and they want to get more radical because that's the trend of these radical Democrats, isn't it? I mean, they're trying to clean out the Democrat Party. They're trying to kick out the old establishment because these people are not radical enough. I think these people won't be happy until they're actually lynching conservatives. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's the case. Not the radical part. I was there. I, I think he's as radical as they are. I reading between the lines. Not. I don't know any of this. Not making any accusations. But if you look at what they wrote in their email, mm-hmm. uh, reading between the lines, it it makes it sound like uh, he created a hostile work environment or somehow somehow was harassing or, or creating mm-hmm. uh, a bad environment for. Some employees or whatever. Yeah, but was it because the employees were too radical for him, or maybe maybe they were having they have some conservative employees that he was treating badly. See, that's yeah, the whole yeah, thing. Don't we know. don't we don't really it, know. But they say something about they kind of, they emphasize in the email mm. or the announcement or whatever. One saying, of our own kind of thing. Say yeah. well, it said. Oh yeah, about the hostile workplace. Yeah, yeah. it said something about everybody's voice. Right. You know, would be heard. Right. And everybody. Everybody has a say or whatever. Treated, everybody input. would be treated with respect. So it may sort of may it sound like he's treating like he's not treating somebody with respect. He he and he's not listening. You know, not letting some people have a voice. Right. So so it almost made it sound like, I mean, in in this sort of era of 
sexual harassment and all this kind of stuff coming out. It makes you makes you wonder. It, so it sounds like something personal. It doesn't sound ideological like we want to take a different ideological turn, either more radical or less radical, whatever. Now, that could certainly possibly be it. But it, almost, it sounded more personal to me. Well, when it said that we, we want everybody in the office to have an equal voice. Yeah. I, I, Does that mean radicals that, or conservatives? Right. right. So it could be either way. It could be either way. The last part of our show, I want to talk about something that is and is not hitting the news, but is very important. More trickle-down tyranny. Remember Connecticut, JC, in the news a couple of years ago, was the, the, the state where the governor and a sheriff was literally confiscating, or actually, I say literally, actually, I'm trying to correct myself with that, actually confiscating firearms. Turn in your magazines and turn in your firearms, and you have the picture of the people in line doing that, right? That was Connecticut. Well, now the Connecticut Supreme Court, now this is what's coming in the news. This has to do with the Sandy Hook shootings and the Remington Arms Company. And so the news that you're seeing is that the Connecticut Supreme Court has ruled, okay, this is Liberty First Brigade, don't get crazy. This is not Chris Ann Salt Hall saying that the court has ruled. This is, you know, the, the those reporting it saying. So the news is saying the Connecticut Supreme Court ruled that you can that you can now sue gun manufacturers for gun crimes. Now that's not exactly true. Okay, remember, these appeal issues seem to be a little bit complicated for the, the journalists to really understand. Yes. And, and appeals don't actually give rulings for certain things. What they do is they overturn points and then send them back for opinions at the lower courts. In, in the report, I noticed they used the word you know, the phrase narrowly, ruled narrowly, mm-hmm. well, that has a particular meaning. It does. And it does. what they fail to do is explain. Right. Like they don't report it in a way that elaborates narrow. So so they just say, they ruled that you can sue gun companies. No, that's not what they ruled. No. And basically, you know, they don't rule anything. They just issue their opinions. But this, when you see a narrow opinion, when people talk about narrow opinions, what they're saying is that the judges of the court have tailored their opinion so specifically that it only applies to a specific issue in this specific case. So the court did not create some kind of blanket uh, some kind of yeah. blanket rule or some kind of... Right. Uh, they didn't actually create any rule hey, at all. Hey, everybody, you can sue gun companies now when somebody gets shot. Right. That's, uh, that, not, that's, what the, that's not what That's what did. the reporting make, right. made it sound like. Right. And that's not what they said. And it's not... And, and the other reporting I've seen is that it overturns federal law. No. Okay. It does not overturn federal law because the court's opinion is actually based on state law. Yeah. So we're not the, the federal law is not even at issue. Nobody has said that the federal law has been set aside. Nobody has said that the federal law is even in conflict. The right. court just simply said that because of this state law, which is the Connecticut Unfair Trade Practices Act, we are uh, saying that now the lower court needs to consider the Unfair Trade Practices Act as a a ruling principle of law. Yep, because specifically 
in the case. So the the litigants are saying, uh, you know, well, we think the gun companies marketed this stuff to psychos and we want to see their documents, you know, to, to prove that. We'll be right back. I'll finish it up for you real good. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. We're talking about the Connecticut Supreme Court case uh, involving the Sandy Hook shooting victims and the Remington Arms Company. I want you to know legally how this works because once again, the media is not giving it to you straight and you need to have it straight because look, if we're going to be, if we're going to be prepared to deal with these issues as they come about, we can't be, I, I think of Don Quixote fighting uh, windmills, right? We can't be fighting phantoms. We need to know what the issues really are. And so uh, JC and I were talking during the break, and, and what we need to really understand is this is really, really an opinion about discovery rules. Yeah. And so the court is saying, no lower court, you have to allow the victims access to information about marketing. And the, the accusation is of the, of the, um, of the victims is that the Remington Arms Company actively marketed the AR-15 assault rifle to um, crazy people. But here's the thing. That's not what they actually said. So here it says um, the, the ruling. Now I'm reading this. this is not Chrisanne. This is the paper. The ruling paves the way for families to subpoena internal documents on how the gun companies have marketed the AR-15, which has become the weapon of choice for mass shooters. The gun manufacturers have closely guarded information on how they market an assault weapon. The court ruled that Sandy Hook families should have the opportunity to prove that, the, that Remington violated the Connecticut Unfair Trade Practices Act by marketing, and now this is the part, JC, where I, I draw specific distinction in what this court is saying. Yeah. By marketing what it knew was a weapon designed for military use to civilians such as Nancy and Adam Lanza. If we get, this is the real danger, JC, in this whole case. We get a court that comes out and actually gives an opinion that says... Certain classifications of firearms are for military use only. This is how the judiciary amends the right to keep and bear arms without amending the state constitution or the federal constitutions. Yeah, it seems like this ought to be an easy one, though. You know, I mean, if it's if it's specifically tied to that language, a mm -hmm. weapon designed for military use. Well, the Air 15 was not design for military uses actually when you look at the history the the intent at, at uh and of course armalite i mean remington is not like remington didn't design right anything <laughs> but the original they you know their idea was to design a commercial weapon and then once they gained success you know and, and what have you then 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 they would offer it 
to mm-hmm. the military. So that's right. that's kind of the reverse order is not designed for the military, then offered commercially. It, the, historically, right. it was the other way around. Right, right. Uh, and then I think it passed from Armalite to Colt, Colt and, uh, you know, some Filipino uh, company that closed down. And then uh, uh, I, I think that the, the uh, patents went out and then you had it commercially available for everyone or whatever. And so you start getting all these AR-15 I don't want to. I don't want to sort of expand this to the absurd, but I want to. Sh- I want to ask you this question, JC. Sort of bounce it off the regular guy kind of thing, right? So you have now the accusation. Here's the basis for the accusation that that Remington um, is marketing these firearms and creating a situation where, as as the article says, have become a weapon of choice, right? Sure. Does this mean now, this decision, we can also start suing Hollywood? Yeah, what? right, right. I'm, I'm saying because yeah. if I can sue Remington for the marketing and making this weapon a ho- a, 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 a weapon of choice. Absolutely. Does that mean now, as a victim, I can bring Hollywood into these lawsuits because it is their cinematic marketing yes. that is making this a weapon of choice? Which, which if you think about, think about, a, think about Remington marketing, first off, just Remington specifically, you know, and gun companies in general. Think, when's the last time? I mean, think of an ad. <laughs> I can't. Well, right? we get think, guns, of a, think of a commercial. We get guns and ammo, so those but are the you, only that's, ads that's that what I think I'm saying. of. Outside, outside of a gun magazine, I mean, you have to go and you're on purpose buying a magazine, then you're going to see the ad. Where else do you see that? But but movies, my goodness, that's everywhere all day, every day. Well, we're done today, but we will see you again next week. Daily Journal, Monday through Thursday and Saturday. God bless you guys. See you next time. <laughs>